I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to episode 57 of Voice First Health. So glad to have you along today for the podcast. Today is a little bit of a different podcast because I don't have a guest. I have a recording of a presentation that I gave recently at Project Voice. If you weren't there, this happened in January of 2020. It was a fantastic event. It was a lot of fun. And I had the opportunity to participate in a number of different uh, talks. One of them was a workshop that I gave with my colleagues, Harry Pappas, David Box, and Alana Mayer. And I started that off by setting up a little bit of the ideas that I have around what is the opportunity right now for voice technology specifically in healthcare. And then my colleagues uh, you know, built off of that and we had some really fun interactive sessions to talk about how you design for voice uh, in healthcare specifically and it was a lot of fun. So today I want to bring you the recording of my portion of this workshop. It is about 20 minutes long or so. And afterwards, I want to tell you about a very, very special project we have coming up. It all has to do with the first book. The book is about voice technology in healthcare, and it is being released March 2020. So stay tuned for that. I'll have all the details at the end of the podcast. For now, uh, enjoy this uh, talk, and I hope you'll get a lot out of it and have a little bit more of an understanding of what some of the opportunities are for voice technology in healthcare. So yes, as Harry said, thanks for coming. We are going to delve into a little bit about the basics of voice for healthcare and how to get started with this. So as you heard, my name is Terry Fisher. I'm a, I'm a physician. Uh, I'm a practicing clinician. I work full-time in Vancouver, Canada at the University of British Columbia. I'm a clinical assistant professor there. Um, and that's really my day job. And by night, I am a big voice tech enthusiast. And I've been in this space now for a number of years. Uh, I create a number of podcasts, uh, Lex in Canada. More specifically for this audience, I create the podcast Voice First Health, where I speak about uh, and speak to people that are on the forefront of what's going on with health and, uh, and voice technology. So I'm really excited to be able to give you a little bit of an overview now of what is going on with health and with voice and why this is such an incredible opportunity right now. So I just want to play a quick video here from the movie Elysium. So the first thing is we need one of these at our hospital. And the second, how many of you have seen that movie? Okay, let me explain what was going on there. So this, the Earth has kind of gone to crap, and there's this, this is taking place on a space station orbiting the Earth, where the more elite people of society have managed to leave Earth and go live on, on the space station. And this mother and her child have somehow managed, I don't want to do away too much of the movie, to make it to this new society, and they have this incredible technology the thing that I want you to realize is that this technology that she's using right here is in the home. She's not at a hospital. She's not at a doctor's office. This is something that has become decentralized and it's in the home. And when we think about voice technology and the way that this is now penetrating the market, 
where we have access to this incredible technology, technology as you'll see, that has the ability to completely, profoundly change that we all experience healthcare, I see voice technology as the primitive version of what we see there. And so I want to put that into context for you now and tell you a little bit about where we are and what's happening next. So let's start with a little uh, a short story here. So I can remember coming home when I was about, must be like 10, I'm gonna date myself now, about 10 years old or something. And I came home and my parents were really excited and they said, we bought this newest technology. Come check this out. I was so excited. Even at that point, I, was, I loved technology. I loved to play with all the new gadgets. And so I ran into our office and there sitting on the desk was a big boxy screen sitting on top of a rectangular box. And what was it? Of course, it was our first personal computer. It was a Tandy computer from Radio Shack. Anybody have a Tandy computer from Radio Shack? Remember that? There you go. Awesome. And so we sat down and they showed me how to use it. And remember those five and a quarter inch floppy disks? Put it in the drive. <laughs> Put it in the drive. You turn it on. You boot it up. And you sit. And you just wait. And you twiddle your thumbs while this thing is running through all the prompts. Eventually it opens up and you start typing away. And, um, and I can't tell you for the life of me what I type, but I spent you know, for ages sitting there typing something on this computer. And then technology evolved as it did, right? And so we went from that sort of thing, right, to that sort of thing, where now we had a mouse, Windows, a graphical user interface. And I, I don't know if you can remember, but when those first sort of paint programs came out, and I'd sit there and I'd draw like stick men, and I thought I was like the next like uh, uh, Michelangelo. It was a lot of fun. And then of course, um, now about 12, I think about 12 years ago, Steve Jobs got up on stage, introduced the iPhone, another big leap in technology, and now we had a computer in the palm of our hands, right? Different technologies, but there's something that's very similar among all of these so far. In the first case, we used a keyboard. We used the keyboard as the interface between ourselves and the computer. We had to type, we had to learn a new skill in order to communicate to the computer. In the second case, got a little bit more intuitive. You could just kind of point to what you want. You still have to use a device, an interface. In the third case, again, you're getting a little more advanced, but yet again, we're still tied to a device. Tap, pinch, zoom, swipe. Now, for the first time ever, we don't need a device. We use our voice, right? The device is just sitting in the background and you communicate in the most natural way that we know how to communicate by using your voices. Right? I'm sitting here, I'm talking to you now because that's the most natural way. I'm not typing what I'm saying to you. Right? So, why is, the voice, why is voice so important? It's natural. Right? When babies are born, what is the very first thing, hopefully, that a baby does? Cries. Uses its voice, right? I've yet to see a baby be born and pick up a phone and text his mom a little mil milk emoji. Right? Doesn't quite go that way. Right? The most natural way that we know how to communicate is by voice. It's extremely efficient. The speed at which we can communicate a message when we are speaking is much, much faster than if you type. And if you look at the numbers, typing speed, average typing speed, average. What do you think? Yeah, depending, depending on your scale, but you know, depending where you read and what statistics you look at, approximately 40 words per minute. What's the average speaking speed? Anybody know? 150. Okay. So we're talking about 
a, a way of communicating that's three to four times faster than typing, texting, swiping, you, like all that kind of stuff. So it's much more efficient. And if you can do something much more quickly and it's effective, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I'm for that. And finally, you can multitask, right? You can't be, at least you shouldn't, shouldn't be typing or texting while you're driving. However, you can have a conversation. If you're working out, if you're bathing your children, if you're cooking, it can be quite hard to use those other interfaces that I was speaking about, but with your voice, you can do any of that stuff. So because of that, this is why I'm so excited about it. I think that we're actually about to witness one of the biggest technological paradigm shifts that we've ever seen, particularly since the internet itself. This is a whole new layer. And I'm referring to voice as actually the next operating system. Voice is the next operating system. So this is probably a graph that if you haven't seen already, you probably will see multiple times this week. It's one that a lot of people like to show. But it just shows the penetration rates of consumer technology uh, over the course of history. And what you'll notice is that smart speakers are being adopted at a rate more rapid than any consumer technology in our history, including mobile phones. Let's give you a sense of how quickly this is being adopted. So let's get back to health now. And imagine if you had a whole healthcare team, a physician, a, you name it, a dietitian, a physiotherapist, a, a nurse. What if you could have all of these people living in your home 24-7 in one of those. That's what gets me really excited. And that's what, when I, that's what I was referring to when I say that video at the beginning. We're starting to see the primitive uh, uh, kindlings, if you will, of this type of healthcare team in the home. So, now I'm a physician, as I said, so what I'm telling you is from a very clinical perspective. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, some of the opportunities that I see for healthcare in the home. The same arguments can be made for in the hospital, uh, in the uh, care facility, uh, in a doctor's office, in any type of access point that a person would have to engage a healthcare provider. So keep that in mind as I, as I go through this. It's often been said that the right healthcare system is when you're getting the right care at the right time in the right place. And when you think about that, if you can meet those three criteria, then you're on a good way there. You're doing pretty, pretty well. So I just want to talk a little bit about each one of those case scenarios. And again, I'm going to sort of relate this to uh, health in the home. But again, as I said, it can also be um, more generalized to other areas as well. The right care. So what's the right care? If somebody does not have any medical training, and they're feeling sick, they've got a runny nose, oftentimes they're not sure what the right care is. Makes sense, right? Do they see the doctor? Do they just take a couple of pills? Maybe it's an issue that they need to do some therapy, get a massage, or maybe they're supposed to just get into bed. How does a person know that, though, without accessing the healthcare system? Well, here's where, now I'm, I said I'm from Vancouver, and British Columbia is our province, and what they've tried to do is have a, a, a phone line, 24-7 phone line, HealthLink BC, where you can call in and manning these phone lines are what they refer to as health service navigators, and they can put you in touch with a live nurse, dietitian, etc., exercise professional, and pharmacist. But what if 
as an example, you didn't call in. You simply talked to your smart assistant. And your smart assistant was the personal health voice navigator. And that would tap in to AI nurses, dietitians, and so on who could answer common questions. I believe that this is going to mean that our, our uh, voice assistants are going to become care providers in the home. Huge opportunity. The right time. What's the right time to get care? Same kind of problem. Somebody has, I don't know, say they've had achy joints for a month. Nothing that acute came on acutely. Do they need to see the doctor that day? Maybe they need to see them in two weeks. Maybe there's something a little more pressing and they need to see them in a week. Maybe they woke up and they have signs of a urinary tract infection. They probably should see the doctor that day. Or maybe they have crushing chest pain and they need an ambulance. What if you could ask your voice assistant and your voice assistant could start to triage? It could help to assess the urgency. Once it starts to do this effectively, it could actually help to start to direct the resources of the, of the population. But the interesting thing is it's actually being done uh, at an individual level in each home. And so I think that these assistants also are going to start to actually help to triage us and essentially act like a triage nurse. And then the right place. One of the big issues for, for at least for Canadians, is that there's so much demand on the healthcare system that patients will often go to the emergency department for something like a cold because they can't access their family doctor. It can take literally weeks to get in to see a family doctor. And so from my perspective, this is a huge issue with the Canadian healthcare system. And so directing people to the right place is critical. Where's the right place? It's the same kind of question. How does a person know where to go when they don't have the medical training? Because there's lots of different options for where a person could get some medical care, depending on the issue. So once again, what if these devices acted more like a tour guide for a healthcare system, helping to navigate them through the system? For this problem, you need to tap into this allied healthcare provider. For this problem, you need to go to this facility. And this is where you need to go to get it when and the urgency. I'd like to show you a slide here that now sort of summarizes the different ways that if you're thinking about a voice application for health, different pillars of ways that you can start to develop that. And I'll put up the first one. I'll give you an idea of way, the way that I think about this. Right now, it's very easy to create a healthcare application that allows one to educate their patients, meaning it's a one-way communication. I'll give you a perfect example. How many of you listen to flash briefings? Amazon Alexa flash briefings. OK. It's like a mini podcast, right? But you can very easily create some that are health-related health tips. You can have a device where a person can talk to a smart assistant. And if they have diabetes, you can ask diabetes questions. And that can educate the patient. And that itself, a lot of what I do as a clinician is when I'm talking to the patient, I'm educating a patient. So that's a very important rule. That's easy to do. This is sort of the first, the simple way to get involved with healthcare, right? Educational. The clinical component is there. It's not as great when you compare it to actually treating someone for a disease, but it's there. Is it regulated? Well, you've got to be putting out good content. But beyond that, there's no need to have HIPAA compliance. There's no need to worry about privacy and security because you're only giving the information out as an educational piece. 
It's easy to implement. The impact, the impact is good, definitely. It's important to educate patients, but it's not the same as actually then treating the patient, treating their disease. The next step up in my mind is guiding the patient. So now we're talking about things like a healthcare guide. You have diabetes and I'm going to interact with this voice assistant and it's going to help me through my day. These are the things that you should be checking. These are the things that you need to do, etc. It hasn't made a diagnosis and it's not actually treating the patient per se. It's just sort of saying, oh, if you have diabetes and your doctors advise you to do this, have you done this yet today? Okay. And you can see how, that, uh, how those different parameters there uh, would relate to that pillar. The next one is to assess. So here we're talking about having an application that would allow you to actually start to make a diagnosis. Now here we're getting into very uh, important clinical aspects. There's a lot of issues here. Privacy, security, uh, accuracy. How good is the AI? There's lots. But this is where we're getting into the more advanced things. And finally, can you actually use your device to treat a disease? We're certainly not there yet but I do not think that it's far-fetched to think that in the future we are going to be relying on these devices to treat us at home as well. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of very quick examples just to give you just sort of whet your appetite and then uh, David's going to take over and tell you sort of the, the, where we are today in terms of voice and, and health and some other uh, use cases. So aging in place, this is a big, big topic. Um, you'll, I'm sure you'll hear lots about that this week. Um, some of the use cases for aging in place, things to think about are having the ability to uh, very nicely, very easily, seamlessly connect with family and services through the voice assistant. Daily reminders. There's a company out there right now, uh, um, LifePod, that does a really good job of this. Uh, they allow you to set up a portal where you can then uh, allow, the, the, act, the device is proactive. So it actually prompts the patient, prompts the person at home to speak. Uh, reminisce about events. How about having the opportunity for somebody who's living alone to talk to their assistant and say, what was that that my grandson told me on my 75th birthday? And that's been recorded at some point through it. Or having special messages from the family to come through to, to record special events. Obviously, there are many, many more. This is just, this is just a, a tip of the iceberg. Patient-provider communication. Automating communication. So when it's time for appointments, time for um, tests, that it can uh, not only tell you about that, but schedule them for you. There we go, schedule appointments. Inform families and staff, so if there's something going on and somebody should be notified, then keeping those communication lines open through the devices, a network of devices, can be extremely valuable as well. Patient engagement. as I touched upon with that diabetes care plan, for example, having a companion to actually help you manage your diabetes as best as you can, or congestive heart failure, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or whatever the condition is, you name it. What about AI insights? So say you are monitoring your diabetes, and it's asking you, what's your blood glucose level today? And you tell it, and it realizes, hmm, that's too high. Can it have some insight? And can it prompt you to tell you there's an issue here, go see your doctor, before you actually have some serious consequences? And health analytics. Just imagine the amount of data that can be uh, collected and what that can mean in terms of personal AI trends when you know what your personal baseline is. 
Physician notes, and, 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 and I've said this many times, uh, physician notes, this is, as a lot of you will realize, that's the bane of our existence, is having to document. And um, I've said, you know, if somebody can solve this uh, effectively, this is the holy grail for physicians, because this is one of the big pain points for physicians. But uh, having a voice-controlled EMR, having um, AI-enriched interactions, so when you talk to your electronic medical record, it not only talks to you, but it actually gives you some pertinent information that you would want to know about your patient based on their medical condition. And also being the virtual scribe. So I don't have to actually do my charting notes. It does it for me. Okay. And the last category here that I'll just touch on briefly is vocal biomarkers. This is, this is probably one of the most fascinating things to me. Um, how many of you are familiar with this term vocal biomarkers at this point? Yeah. Okay, so a lot of you are. The, the, the analogy I like to use is when you take a digital photo, right? assuming you, don't, you haven't turned off all your location settings and all that kind of stuff, even still, you're going to capture, you capture what's known as metadata, which is uh, all the data, things like your aperture setting, your, if you used a flash, your shutter speed, the camera model, maybe the location if you have that turned on. So it's a lot of data that's captured beyond just the photograph. The same thing can be done with voice. So beyond the words that I am speaking, you can detect emotion, you can maybe have a glimpse into how I'm feeling, that sort of thing. The best example I can give you is if when my son comes home from school and I ask him, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. It's very clear in my mind what he means by that. And if he comes home from school the next day and I ask him, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. Exact same words, completely different meaning. And when you can start to tease out how that is different, from a, a technological standpoint, and you start to analyze those sound waves, the AI can start to pick out the patterns. And there's been research that's done with the Mayo Clinic that shows that they have, um, they're able to detect risk of heart disease from the way someone speaks. And in fact, they've even looked at longitudinal data and have found that there's another study that correlates the risk of death and the way somebody is speaking with congestive heart failure. That's just the beginning. The easier, the easier one to sort of comprehend is, can these devices pick up if you're feeling depressed? You know, I do that all the time in my clinic. I can hear it in their voice when somebody's feeling depressed. And the computers can do that as well. So this is, this is essentially what I just talked about. Vocal patterns, aid in diagnosis, real-time emotional insights, and you can, oh, as well, that's a big one, uh, detect cognitive diseases. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you can start to detect changes in the speech pattern. So, to finish up, a couple last slides here. Many of you may have heard the term patient-centered healthcare, which is a nice concept. This is my view of patient-centered healthcare, okay? Patients in the center, clearly in the center, okay? But it is just a maze of trying to navigate this healthcare system. They not oftentimes, they're oftentimes not sure where to go, and if they do go somewhere, where to go next? Their data's all over the place. Like, it's just, it's a big maze. What I think we need to start thinking about is using these devices in the home and thinking about a model more like this, where it's patient first. The patient is in the driver's seat at home. They access the healthcare assistant, the voice assistant, when they need to. They get some advice. And when necessary, they have their supporting crew of, of physicians, clinicians, that they can tap into when they need them. And so in this world of uh, voice first, I think it's time to start thinking about uh, patients first as well. 
So, as I said, what I'm really excited about is being able to bring health into the home. So when you take a device like these and you start to put them in the homes, imagine if every home had one of these. It's like they had their own little mini medical clinic in their home that they can start to interact with. This is just the beginning, and it's just the beginning of that video that I was showing you at the beginning with Elysium. So I'm going to stop there. I'm going to let Dave take over. Hopefully that gives you just a little bit of some food for thought as we go through here in terms of the possibilities of voice and healthcare. And um, I'll be back up later for the, for the panel. So thanks for your, thanks for your attention. Well, I hope you found that useful and that it is a little bit of food for thought for what the possibilities are for voice and healthcare. It truly is going to be a revolutionary change that we see, as, uh, as I mentioned in this talk. So if you want to see some more of the notes from this particular episode of the podcast, you can always go to voicefirsthealth.com slash 57. Now, in order to hear some more thoughts about where we're going with this fascinating intersection of voice technology and healthcare, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we are launching a book. It will be released March 9th at HIMSS 2020, uh, and I am very, very pleased to announce that I am a co-author with uh, three colleagues, Dr. David Metcalf, Dr. Sandhya Pruthi, and Mr. Harry Pappas, and we have assembled 32 of the leaders, the true leaders in the world at the intersection of voice technology and healthcare. We cover things from the clinical perspective. We cover things from the patient perspective. We cover some of the future possibilities of voice and technology. And truly, we cover a real cross-section of the industry. We talk about privacy and security. We talk about the technology. We talk about biomarkers. We talk about the whole bit. And so if you're interested in learning uh, where we are today in a much more comprehensive way than what I was able to deliver just on this podcast, then I encourage you to check out the book. You can find out more information about it at voicefirsthealth.com slash book, and we will keep you updated on everything that is going on. I do want to take just a moment here, and I want to welcome Harry Pappas, who's going to speak just for a moment a little bit about uh, the book and his excitement and what it's all about. Terry, thank you for inviting me to the program. We're very excited because at HIMSS 2020 this year, um, we're going to be uh, distributing the first ever book uh, entitled uh, Voice Technology in Healthcare. And we're very excited because we have 30 top thought leaders from around the world who are uh, authoring various subjects and various uh, themes in the book. And it'll be available not only at the HIMSS uh, Central Bookstore, but it will also be available uh, for those of you who visit the Intelligent Health Pavilion. And it'll give you an opportunity to uh, hear some of the authors and also meet and greet and get signatures. So we're very excited about the release of this book. Uh, if you're coming to HIMSS, please stop by the HIMSS uh, Central Bookstore and also visit with us at the Intelligent Health Pavilion at HIMSS. Thank you. So there you go. I do encourage you to stop by. Uh, I will be there. I would love to meet you there. Uh, we have a Voice Technology and Healthcare Educational Day on the Wednesday at Hims in the Intelligent Health Pavilion. So I encourage you to coordinate your visit if you can uh, on the Wednesday as well if you want to hear some more of the speakers uh, from the book speaking live at Hims. 
This is a very exciting time for voice technology and there's so much going on. So again, uh, feel free to stay in touch and through the link voicefirsthealth.com slash book, you can put your email address in there if you'd like and we can keep you informed as to what's going on with the book. So uh, have a great uh, week. I look forward to speaking with you again on the podcast very soon and I look forward to seeing you at HIMSS if at all possible. That's gonna be a lot of fun. So take care and I will talk to you very soon.